Um, Father God, thank you for giving us your word. Thank you that we can access your word despite this snap lockdown. Please help us to listen attentively so that we can respond in obedience to glorify your name. Amen. Okay. Um, verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And the three are in agreement. We accept human testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is a testimony of God, which he has given about his son. Whoever believes in the son of God <coughs> accepts his this testimony. Whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because they have not believed the testimony God has given about his son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. This is the word of the Lord. Oh, good morning, church. May the peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Now today we are living in a world surrounded by many belief systems, from atheism to polytheism, and there are many more. Even in some churches, Christians are being misled by false teachings, and this has resulted in confusion among them. From time to time, I've come across Christians who say they are unsure of their relationship with Christ, and some even doubt whether they are truly saved. In fact, not long ago, I was talking to a friend, and he said to me, he has this burden and this worry, because when the day comes, when he says to the Lord, Lord, open the door for me, would Jesus say, truly, I don't know who you are. In fact, the early church was confronted with the same challenges as well. You see, during that time, there were some deceivers who were spreading this false belief that Jesus was not Christ, the Son of God. Some even denying that Jesus' death on the cross won't save them from their sins. And these false beliefs has then created some confusion and uncertainties among the church members who try to remain loyal to the gospel. That's why the author of the letters of Job wrote to the early church to reassure them about the truth in the gospel that they had heard 
from the very beginning and to remind them of their relationship with God. So there are basically two key messages in today's passage from 1 John chapter 5, verse 1 to uh, 1 John chapter 5, verse 1 to 4a. It deals with the issues related to the relationship between God and the believers. And from 4b to verse 12 deals with the faith in Jesus that leads to eternal life. I hope at the end of the sermon, we all be sure of one of our own relationship with God the Father and two, our own salvation. Now, if you have the Bible, I would suggest we turn to this passage because uh, I won't have any uh, PowerPoint slides on the, on the Zoom uh, preaching today. Now, verse 1a says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Now, born of God means born of the Spirit, and it is very different from the biological birth that everyone experienced at some point in their lives. Might just happen many, many years ago. Now, born of God does not come from human desires or human actions, but it has to come from God himself and needs to be effected through the Holy Spirit and together with faith in Jesus. So how does anyone know that one was born of God? After all, there's no birth certificates to show that one was born of God. Could it be the baptism certificates issued by the church minister? But listen to what was said in verse 1a. Everyone who believes that Jesus is Christ, is born of God. The key is to believe. Believe Jesus is Christ, the Son of God. Then the author of the letters of John continues to say this in the second half of verse 1. He said, everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. The everyone in this verse is one who was born of God. And anyone who was born of God will have these characteristics. That is to love the father. Unless someone who has this child-father relationship, it is impossible to love the father. So it is most uncharacteristic to find an unbeliever to love the heavenly father. Verse 1b also say that not only those who were born of God, Love the father. They love his child as well. Seems that the two go hand in hand. The NIV translated as his child. But who is this child? The ESV has a clearer translation of his child. It translated as whoever, whoever has been born of him. So the child refers in the NIV translation is not Jesus. The child is whoever has been born of God, meaning other fellow believers of Jesus Christ. Therefore, if we who were born of God claim that we love our heavenly father, we must love our fellow believers as well. 
And that is a good test for all of us as Christians to show that we genuinely love God. But then in verse 2, the author seems to say it's in reverse. Verse 2 says, this is how we know that we love God's children, by loving God and carrying out his commands. But in the earlier verse, in verse 1 we have just read, the author says that if we love God, our Heavenly Father, we love the fellow believers. It seems that the author is going in a circle. First, he said that if we say we love our Heavenly Father, we love our fellow believers. And now, he seems to say that if we say we love our fellow believers, we must love our Heavenly Father. Now, how do they connect or relate to one another? I'll give you a very simple example to show that it fits together very well. Say a brother asked me to drive him to have his vaccination because he, has, he doesn't have a driving license. He couldn't drive. So he asked me to help him. So if I claim that I love God, as in verse 1b, the test for me is to whether I love this brother. How can I claim that I love God? By taking this brother to have his vaccination. But if I choose to stay home and watch my Netflix, then my claim that I love God is a lie. Now we come to verse 2. It says that to love the fellow believers, we must love God by carrying out his commands. Now, in this case, how can I claim that I love this brother? According to the scripture, it is to love God. But how? By obeying God's command. That is to love your neighbor as yourself. If I disobey God's command, then my claim that I love this brother is also a lie. So I find it very useful. I hope you do too that we can use these two verses to regularly remind and test ourselves whether we love our Heavenly Father and love our fellow believers. The author then continues to tell the church that to obey God's command is not burdensome. In verse 3, for this is the love of God that we keep his commands and his commands are not burdensome. God's command in this passage is about loving others, loving our other fellow believers. What is then the basis for the author to say that loving other fellow believers is not burdensome? The answer is in verse 4. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. You see, people who were born from their biological parents will naturally inherit the characteristics of the biological father. And sadly, we all it includes the worldly desires and craving for things. There's a saying, like father, like son, or chip of the old block. So these characteristics, one will not find with these characteristics, 
Anyone will not find it easy to love others. They will find that loving others is quite burdensome. Meaning, the desire to hold tightly to the things of the world make them, make them difficult to let go of some of these things for the benefits of others. In the same way, the more tightly someone holds onto his own time for their own pleasure or whatever, the harder it is for him to use their own time for the benefits of others. Unless one is born by the Spirit, one is reborn by the Spirit into a new person with a different characteristics, not the one of a biological father, but of the heavenly father. Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed. Behold, the new has come. Now from first verse 4b onwards, the author attentions move away from the issues related to loving God and loving believers and focus on faith, which overcomes the world that leads to eternal life. In first verse 4b, this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Verse 5, it says, Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. In this verse, to overcome the world is to overcome the false belief that Christ is to overcome the false belief spread by those false teachers and deceivers. Why is, it, why is that one who believes that Jesus is Son of God can overcome what the false teaching, the false teaching about Jesus? It's because of who Jesus is. You see, in verse 6, it says, this is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. Jesus came by water is best explained as his baptizing ministry. But his coming by blood refers to Jesus laying down his life as an atoning sacrifice for our sins that leads to eternal life. Then the author went further to reassure the fellow believers that this is the truth. It's because in verse 6b it says, and it is a spirit who testifies because the spirit is the truth. Over the years, we probably have heard different testimonies from people about Jesus. Personally, I've heard a few. I've heard friends who testify that Jesus helped them to successfully buy a house in an auction and even helped them to find a parking spot. Now, I did not know that Jesus has become a property advocate and a parking attendant. Now, these are men's testimonies. Would the Spirit testify this as the truth? Now, I'm not saying all men's testimony about Jesus are not true, 
But what the author in this letter is focusing or telling us is that the testimony of God is greater. And we can read it in verse 9. You see, one of the roles of the Spirit is to bear witness to the truth about Jesus that he is the Son of God. We come to verse 10. Whoever believes the Son of God accepts these testimonies. Whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because they have not believed the testimony God has given about his son. Here the author is speaking to those false teachers and their followers. If you continue to deny Jesus is a son of God, you make a liar out of God. Why? It's because they do not believe the testimony of God has given about his own son. We can read it in verse 10b. In fact, these false teachers and their followers who continue to deny Jesus as Son of God has committed a sin which leads to death. And it's outside today's scripture, is, uh, is actually in verse 16. This means that these people who put themselves outside the boundaries of forgiveness. Finally, the author tells us the benefits of believing in Jesus Christ. I know we all love benefits, don't we? If we belong to the family of the RACV club or the timeshare, we'll get huge discounts on our meals, hotel accommodations, and even hot springs. Recently, Sian and I, we stayed in a hotel in Geelong. And not only we receive a discount in our accommodation, but we also get an upgrade to a room with a bit of sea view. That is, if you stand close enough to the window. That is why it is called a free upgrade. But, if, but we think it is a very good deal. And to put the icing on the cake, the discount price includes a full breakfast as well. If I think this deal is so fantastic, wait till we hear the benefits of becoming children of God by believing Jesus as the Son of God. Well, one may ask, what sort of discount are we getting as children of God? The good news is children of God do not need any discount because the greater news is that God the Father has paid for everything. But what exactly God has paid for us? The penalty for us. Not partly paid for, not 10, 20, 50%, but fully paid for with the blood of Jesus who shed for us on the cross. And that's the benefits of becoming children of God. And there's more. In verse 11, it says, And this is the testament God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. You see, not only God has paid for the penalty of our sins, 100%, as long as we remain in Christ, God has given us an eternal life, free of charge. It is a gift from God. 
And the author assures our salvation again in verse 12. Whoever has the Son has life. In conclusion, what then are the key takeaways for today's message? First, remember, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Meaning we are children of God. We are part of God's family. Then if we claim that we are children of God, we must love our Heavenly Father because of this child-father relationship. Now, how do we know that we love our Heavenly Father? By loving anyone who was born of God and they are our fellow believers. And also, if we claim that we love our fellow believers, we must also love God by obeying his commands. But at times, we will fail. We'll fail in loving others. Maybe not enough. And sometimes, we disobey God. But when we fail, Never doubt that we will lose our salvation. We need to genuinely seek God's forgiveness and ask the Spirit, who is already dwelling in us, to be our advocate and help us to obey His commands. We want to do better, not to earn our salvation, but to work out our salvation. Philippians 2.12. Why? to please our Heavenly Father for what He has done for us. Well, the second takeaway is, if we claim we are born of God, we must be able to overcome the world. Only those who were born of the Spirit are free from the bondage of the world. Then, obeying God's command to love other fellow believers will not be so burdensome. And lastly, it is about our faith in Jesus. We need to stand firm in our belief that Jesus is the Son of God who came into this world to die for our sin. By faith, we'll overcome this world, that is to reject all the false teachers who deny Jesus as the Son of God. So that our faith will not be shaken by these false beliefs then we are sure of our salvation because we are born of God by believing in Jesus. Although the author started off on verse 12 with the good news, verse 12 said, whoever has the son has life. He finished off this verse with a warning that the second half of verse 12, whoever does not have the Son of God, does not have life. When we come to our salvation, the results are binary and there are no decimal points. There's no one who is 0.5 or even 0.999 say. It is either one or zero. It is either we have the Son or we have not. There is no in-between. Verse 12 says, 
whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. So, if there's anyone here today who is unsure of their relationship with Jesus, I earnestly pray that you come before him and say, Lord Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. But for those who have already put our trust in Jesus, we know we are born of God because God's children believe in God's son. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for your words today. We thank you for your son, Jesus, who came into this world to die for our sins so that we have eternal life. We want to thank you for helping us to stand firm in believing in you as the son of God and help us to continue to put our trust in you. We also want to pray that we will continue to obey your commands and to be worthy to be called your children. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.